We've been doing a, a series on prayer, and uh, today I want to uh, talk about uh, uh, praying, and I've titled this Praying When All Else Fails. Uh, I wasn't actually uh, intending, uh, I didn't line this message up because of all the events that have taken place in our country over the last uh, uh, week or so, but it, it just seems like uh, we are in a place, uh, given the, you know, the shootings of the five police officers in Dallas, and then, you know, just before that, uh, the, the black folks that were shot both in Baton Rouge and in, in Minnesota. And so, you know, it seems like the, 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 there's a, things are boiling or things are not, like, peaceful in our country. And if it's not internal unrest, you know, it's terrorist attacks and... Uh, uh, you know, we feel it, and uh, Europe's fe feeling it too. Uh, and so, you know, we're living with this sense of, okay, this is not right. This is not peaceful. This is not the way it should be. Uh, and so th the, the challenge we have is, uh, what do we do about it, you and me? I mean, we can talk about it. We can complain about it, and we can point fingers at everybody and, you know, offer all sorts of solutions. But we aren't, like, running the country and whatever not. Uh, we are ordinary, everyday people, and so what can we do about it? And uh, I think we can actually do quite a lot about it through prayer. Uh, you know, here is where we can uh, actually make a difference. Uh, and it's important for us, I think, given what's all happened in the country, uh, to think about it from the bottom up. Uh, firstly, uh, the Bible tells us that we should weep with those who weep. You know, so just starting, you know, whether it be uh, the families of uh, the, you know, the black folks that were shot in Baton Rouge or, or in, uh, in uh, Minnesota, in, um, uh, in, in, where was it, Phelan Heights, <coughs> but, uh, or whether you be the family of the police officers, there's a sense of just, you know, weeping for those that are weeping, you know, being sad with those that are sad without having to, uh, explain or give great advice or to preach to folks. And, you know, this is something which carries over to our friends and family when people are battling. Uh, sometimes they don't need a sermon. They just need you to weep with them when they weep. Uh, and so in one sense, we, we're saying as a country, we should be sensitive to those that are battling. Uh, and the African-American community is feeling particularly uh, vulnerable at this point in time. Uh, there's a sense where they're feeling like, look, we misunderstood, and uh, there's backlash, and there's counterattack, and, uh, and there's a sense of uh, feeling very just, yeah, just very uh, vulnerable with a lot of uncertainty and a, a sense of being overwhelmed. And then at the same time, uh, you know, we have a biblical mandate to to pray for our, uh, those in, in government, uh, governance over us. Uh, that would be, you know, both the president and uh, all uh, legislative bodies, but, you know, including the police. Uh, you know, so, again, this is not whether you agree with one political party or not. It's a, it's a question of we need to pray for people in authority over us. Uh, we desire to live lives that are peaceful, and uh, that's exactly what's uh, the Bible tells us. And in fact, uh, in 1 Timothy chapter 2, it says, pray for those in charge so that we can have peaceful lives. Uh, 
And, uh, and so even if our motive is for, okay, we need a sense of peace, we need a sense of, uh, a sense of calm. Uh, so, uh, you know, I can talk about this a lot, uh, or we could take a few minutes and actually pray. So why don't we just pray? Uh, I'm not asking you to all participate because that'll, that'll be like a different kind of a prayer meeting, but uh, maybe I'll just pray something and you can say amen uh, if you agree. Uh, and, uh, and, and we'll go from there. So, Lord, I, I just start, uh, you know, with the victims and their families of those that have been, uh, you know, shot and killed. Uh, Lord, and we just acknowledge it's, it's all over the country. There's no one particular place. Uh, it seems like uh, there's a lot of uh, unease from within the country and uh, being attacked from without. Uh, so, Lord, we just pray for the families of those that are weeping, those that are sad. And uh, we ask, Lord, that you bring healing. And, Lord, I also ask that uh, we could pray for protection uh, for our communities, the communities we live in, and for those within our communities that these acts of violence would not happen to our kids and to our families. We pray for our law enforcement officers. We pray for our rulers and our governance, Lord, that it would be godly, uh, that you would uh, give them wisdom. Lord, we pray that we can live in peace and harmony. And Jesus, we just thank you that you hear our prayers and that in praying we are being effective. So thank you, Jesus. Amen. Amen. So, uh, you know, besides what's going on uh, nationally, what I want to uh, talk about uh, is praying when everything else has failed. There will come times in your life, if it hasn't already happened, or maybe you're writing this point right now, where things are just out of your control. Uh, you know, it might be your job. It might be relocation. It could be challenges you have with your spouse or with your kids or, you know, but you're at the point where you can't do anything about it. I mean, you're like, you know, your good, your smarts is not going to solve the problem, say, in this case of, you know, cops being shot in Dallas. Your smarts isn't going to solve that. But on a personal level, you know, whatever it is, uh, be it your kids, your business situation, there comes a time where your smarts isn't going to help you get through the challenge or the pressure or the problems that you, you, you're facing or the misunderstandings that you're facing. Uh, and it's not like you can talk about it. It's not like you can uh, you know, just have a face-to-face -face with somebody and it'll all be resolved. It's not. It's outside of your control. And uh, it's times like this where we really can get a lot of mileage out of prayer and praying to God for help. And in fact, it's almost like God delights in it when we are so desperate that we've realized that we need God. It, it's sort of beyond ourselves. God loves that. God loves it when our problems are so big that only He can solve them and that we will actually call out and cry out to God for help. Uh, God loves that. And the delightful thing is, God comes through. 
And so it's not just like some sort of vague prayer and, you know, nothing happens. Uh, throughout the Psalms, uh, we read them and we'll see where people have been in ridiculously difficult circumstances. Not, just even, not only just people individually, but like Israel, again and again, uh, will be in ridiculously difficult situ situations. Or King David uh, would be in ridiculously difficult situations where, you know, armies are hunting him down or Saul is hunting him down and, they, and he, they're trying to kill him. And he's got no resources, no friends, no nothing. He's just like in a cave and he's crying out to God. And he said, God, you know, what have I done so bad that everybody wants to kill me? You know, uh, and then, you know, we read the rest of the story and God comes through. So we get hope that God actually does listen uh, to our problems and He can fix things uh, that we can't fix. And I am saying here that faith plays a role. Uh, our uh, connection with God, our relationship with God plays a major role here. And it's not faith for the sake of faith. It's not like having faith in faith. It's having faith in Christ. It's having faith in a God that actually moves and does things. Uh, it's not having faith in the Psalms or, or faith in the Bible. It's having faith that the Bible points us and helps us to connect with the living God, and it's Christ that solves the problems. It's not faith in prayer where, you know, prayer does it. No, prayer is the vehicle where we communicate with God. So, Faith plays a role. Prayer plays a role. The Bible plays a role. But they're they, they tools to help us connect with God and to be able to release our problems to God and to have a, a, a faith expectation that God is going to intervene in our situation. And so uh, I want us to look at that uh, today. Uh, this is not a technique. Uh, you know, we're talking about a relationship with God and one of the wonderful things as we read through the Gospels is we see Jesus in very short measure, you know, in an instant, changing things dramatically. I mean, you know, like a fever, somebody's got a fever or somebody's bleeding and Jesus says, be healed. I mean, it's not a process. It's like immediate, you know, and it's not just uh, sickness. It's weather. You know, Jesus says to the storm, be calm. And it's not like a process. It's just like instantaneously. And it, it's not limited to weather or to sick people. It's to dead people. You know, Jesus says, get up. You know, it wasn't like six hours of fasting and meditation and, and what. It's just like quick, instantaneous. And so on the one hand, uh, there is tremendous um, encouragement that we get knowing that Jesus can change our situation in an instant, in an absolute instant, like a, a real short, quick prayer. He can do it, and He does do it. And yet, we live in this tension where that's not the only way God works. We see through the life of somebody like Joseph that his whole life was a life of, like, you know, suffering or Things happening to him which just seemed like really harsh, being thrown in prison and being thrown in a well by his brothers and being sold. And, you know, it's like his whole life is just difficult. And so God didn't heal him in an instant and didn't solve his issues in an instant. And yet God was still with him. And over the course of his life, 
he could still say, God was faithful, God was in control, and God solved my problems. So whether God does it in an instant, which we all like, or whether God uses our lives, you know, our entire lives, uh, either is okay. It's God. What we need is to know that God is with us. And that even in our suffering, if it is going to be drawn out and long, that we're not doing it alone. That, that God hears our prayer, He's with us, and He gives us the strength or the encouragement to do what only God can do. Know us personally and solve our issues. Uh, what I find particularly interesting is this kind of prayer that we're going to look at today is not uh, unique to us as believers, as Christians. Uh, this is a sort of prayer that you'll hear again and again in testimonies where, you know, youth grew up in church and then something happened and they got disenfranchised and they said, ah, forget it all. I forget. I don't want anything to do with church. I don't want anything to do with God. I, I'm just like, I'm sick of all that. I got hurt or upset somewhere. And then you hear their testimony. It says, yeah, and then something went really bad in my life and I... I knew God was actually out there. I mean, as much as I was disclaiming God, and I started praying to God and I asked God for help, and lo and behold, God helped. I mean, that, that, that prayer you hear often. Or what, what I find particularly uh, sort of crazy uh, is a statistic I, I think I'd quoted a few months ago is people that claim to be non-believers uh, or atheists. We find that 30% of them pray. I don't understand that. But it's like, okay, I don't believe, but if he is the God out there somewhere, I hope there is, but listen to my prayer, I need help. You know, I mean, it's great. People will pray when you're desperate. I mean, even if you don't believe, that's the strangest thing. So it's really helpful for us that do believe and we know who we're praying to and how to pray. Uh, and so let's look at how do we pray when all else has failed. Uh, in fact, I'm going to just, let me just say this. What I want for you today is that Somehow or other, no matter what your situation, you would feel like you can connect to God and that God would hear your prayers and be involved somehow in, in your prayer. So uh, th that's, that's what I'd like you to get out of this sermon. And uh, my prayer is actually Psalm. I'm going to use a Psalm as a model of how to pray. So my, my uh, prayer as we get going here is Psalm 19:14. It says this, May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. So Lord, I just uh, give you the sermon. We uh, invite your Holy Spirit to come here and to move. And, and God, I just pray you'd speak to each one of us uh, personally in our own unique situation that we find ourselves in. And Lord, in those that are in a, a blessed place and in a good place, uh, Lord, I just pray that you would uh, bless them too and uh, encourage them and allow them to encourage others. But Lord, I just thank you that you speak to us uh, through your word. Uh, in your name, Jesus. Amen. If you've got a Bible, open it to Psalm 102. And um, I guess Psalm 102 is sort of an unusual psalm to choose as a, as a psalm to preach on because it's not a psalm that is many people's favorite. Uh, but I kind of chose Psalm 102 uh, because it represents uh, a psalm in the Bible that is coming from somebody we don't know who it is. Uh, it's not a psalm of David. It, we don't really know who the author is of this psalm. And actually, we don't actually know 
exactly what this guy's problem is. Uh, but w- what we can learn from the psalm is how he is c- connecting with God and how uh, God uses uh, the psalms for us as a, as a, a source uh, for us to connect with Him. And, you know, with that, if you do not have the Psalms as a regular part of your diet, you need to get into the Psalms. Uh, one way or another, whether you're using the Bible, read through the Bible plan that I'm advocating for this year uh, or not, uh, if you uh, are one of those people that just like, you know, open the Bible randomly and just like, God, anywhere, somewhere, show me. I'm going to read for five minutes today. Go to the middle. Go to the Psalms. Make sure you at least read a Psalm. You know, I, I don't advocate that method, but I am advocating regularly. Make a habit of reading the Psalms. And this is why. Uh, you will find, like people throughout history, since the Bible was written. I mean, this is not just like our generation. This is like all generations of Christian believers have found a way of reading the Psalms being super helpful to help you connect with God. Because there's going to be a Psalm. It might not be Psalm 102, but there's going to be a Psalm which describes exactly where you're at and helps you connect with God. Whether you're in a real uptime or in a real downtime or a real like in-between time, the Psalms help us. And by God's like Holy Spirit, He uses the Psalms to speak to us. I mean, it's the one area where the Bible just like comes alive for us. You know, many of you may know this, but often you'll find Bibles that are just like the New Testament. But if they're the New Testament, they have the New Testament and often the Psalms with them. Because folks know that, okay, I, 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 I want to stay focused on Jesus, but yet the Psalms in the Old Testament of, of all parts of the Old Testament are so helpful. So anyway, uh, let me read this psalm uh, to you. And it's kind of long, so you you have to bear with me a little bit. But I'm even going to read the little um, sort of uh, whatever you call it, prelude to the psalm. It says this, A prayer of one overwhelmed with trouble, pouring out problems before the Lord. Okay, and then this is the way this particular psalm opens. And this is the way a bunch of psalm opens. And I want you to take note of this. Uh, Basically, the opening line is, you know, God help me. It says, Lord, hear my prayer. Listen to my plea. Don't turn away from me in my time of distress. Bend down to listen. So, you know, not only just listen and answer me quickly when I call to you. God, listen to me. Bend down. You know, there's a sense where he's saying, God, you just seem like really far away. Uh, There's a sense where I'm praying to you, but you're not hearing me. And he's saying, God, listen. Listen up. You know, bend down. Become close. I I need you to be close. And what I want us to get out of this is sort of a model in our head where it's not okay to just complain. It's not okay to just say, God, you don't hear me. There's a sense where we can actually ask God, like the psalmist is doing here, God, will you please hear my prayer? Or if you feel like God's a million miles away, tell Him, God, it just seems like you're a million miles away. You're not 
You're not involved in my life. God, that's the way I feel. Tell God. Don't just like assume, you know, put words to your feelings. Uh, put words to how you feeling God is with you. It's not like God doesn't know, but I mean, He wants us to relate to ourselves on how to relate to God. God, bend down, answer me quickly. And then he goes on uh, and describes his own situation. Now, what he does here from verse 3 to 11 is put language to what it is that he's feeling. And this is where, again, when we pray, uh, you might want to do this. You know, you might be somebody who just like always talks. And if you just like talking, talking, you like your own voice and thought comes to your mind, you talk, just talk it out. Fine. Talk. I mean, if everybody else doesn't want to hear it, you know, go to the state park and just talk it out. <laughs> or get in your car and just talk it out the whole way to work. I mean, nobody's going to look at you. You're crazy anymore because everybody's talking. They're talking to their cell phone. Or, you know. In fact, I feel more comfortable if someone's talking. At least they're not texting. It's like, okay, at least they're talking. And you, it's like, who are they yelling at? I don't know. Maybe they're yelling at God. But talk it out. Uh, if you're a writer, write it out. You know, if you like to think and you like to be contemplated, put it in writing, you know. But describe what it is that's irritating you or aggravating you. And it says this, verse 3, For my days disappear like smoke. My bones burn like red-hot coals. You know, here's the guy describing. This is the way it is. My, my life seems to be just like disappearing. I'm, I'm running out of days, and I'm hurting. My bones are hurting. My heart is sick. It's withered like grass, and I've lost my appetite. Because of my groaning, I am reduced to skin and bones. I mean, okay, this guy is really hurting. He's lost his appetite. He's lost weight. He's skin and bones. Uh, God hasn't come through. This is dragging on and on. And like he's in bad shape. His bones hurt and he's lost his appetite and he's in bad shape. And then verse 6, I am like an owl in the desert, like a little owl in a far off wilderness. I lie awake, lonely as a solitary bird on the roof. Some versions have it, I'm like a pelican flying over the desert. You know, it's like a bird out of place, is what he's saying. My enemies taunt me day after day. They mock and curse me. I eat ashes for food. My tears run down into my drink because of your anger and wrath. For you have picked me up and thrown me out. My life, my life passes as swiftly as the evening shadows. I am withering away like grass. And then the psalm takes a wonderful shift. And uh, this is a shift that you and I really need to notice. Uh, we cannot afford to stay in our wallow. We can't afford to just stay focused on our problem. We need to shift. Look, it's important to articulate your problem. But then you need a shift. You don't just stay there. And this is the shift. Verse 12, he, his eyes are now uh, removed from himself, and he's fixing his eyes on God. And he says this, But you, O Lord, will sit on your throne forever. Your fame will endure to every generation. You will arise and have mercy on Jerusalem. And now is the time to pity her. Now is the time you promise to help. For your people love every stone in her walls and cherish even the dust in her streets. Then the nations will tremble before the Lord. The kings of the earth will tremble before His glory. 
for the Lord will rebuild Jerusalem. He will appear in His glory. He will listen to the prayers of the destitute. He will not reject their pleas. Now, of course, you know, Jerusalem did indeed get renewed. But for many people, they would have a similar experience about, you know, being away from church or being away from your home country. And all of a sudden, you you, you long for the friends that you had at church. You long for uh, the times that you had, the relationships you had. Or you long for your home country, for the food, for the smell, for the, you know, something that's familiar. Uh, There's something which, when we've experienced God, uh, when we've experienced church life, when we're removed from it, like the psalmist, we, we desire to be back in that environment where we can experience uh, the love and the fullness of God. Uh, you know, in many other psalms, what this psalm doesn't do is it then points us back to the works of God that He has done. And you, there's sort of a sense of, okay, your situation stinks, but be mindful of what God has done in the past. And in your particular situation, you should be mindful of what God has done in the recent past. Or if you've been a Christian for any length of time, be mindful of what God has done in your life in the past. Because this starts lifting you up. It starts building your faith. It starts encouraging you. Now, uh, verse 18 through 22 uh, says this. Let this be the record for future generations so that a people not yet born will praise the Lord. Till them the Lord looked down from His heavenly sanctuary. He looked down to earth from heaven to hear the groans of the prisoners, to release those condemned to die. And so the Lord's fame will be celebrated in Zion, His praises in Jerusalem. Then multitudes will gather together and kingdoms come to worship the Lord. Now here he goes back into... uh, Uh, describing his situation. He broke my strength in midlife, cutting short my days. But I cried to him, O my God, who lives forever, don't take my life away while I am so young. Long Long ago, you laid the foundations of the earth and made the heavens with your hands. They will perish, but you remain forever. I mean, talk about a big thought when you're suffering and hurting. I mean, it's like, I am hurting with my current situation. And his thoughts are, God, you are so big that like you last forever. And my days are short and I'm just going to be blown away. And yet this whole earth, what you created, you, you, you're going to like just blow it away too. I mean, you know, and yet you will remain forever. Uh, he says about the earth. Uh, well, let me back up. Long ago, you laid the foundations of the earth. And then verse uh, 26 They will perish, but you will remain forever. They will wear out like old clothing. You will change them like a garment and discard them. But you are always the same. You will live forever. The children of your people will live in security. Their children's children will thrive in your presence. Which is back to, you know, our prayer today. Lord, we want to have security. We want our children to live in your presence and experience your peace and your joy. Uh, it's, it's a great psalm. Uh, let me just uh, shift to the uh, bulletin insert. If you've got your bulletin insert with you, this is what I uh, want you to notice if you want to break this out quickly. Uh, it's this. It's start off by asking God to hear you. 
and then move on to specifically naming what it is that you're feeling. And then thirdly, shift your focus to God's character or to what God has done in the past. Look at God's response. And then look at our response. Now, that's a useful tool uh, for processing your pain or to work through the Psalms or to see a pattern of how God works. Now, for 30 seconds, a little rabbit trail. Uh, this Psalm could also be called a messianic psalm, meaning a psalm of Jesus, an Old Testament psalm. And you can only come to that conclu conclusion if you read the New Testament first and then read the Old Testament through the lens of the New Testament, which is the way I keep telling you you should read the Bible. Because the book of Hebrews does something to this psalm that you and I don't have the uh, authority to do. And that's to say, Okay, this is a psalm that Jesus was praying. And Jesus was saying, if, you, if we read Hebrews, uh, you know, hey, it's my, he broke my strength in midlife, cutting short my days. And Jesus cried, oh my God, who lives forever, don't take my life while I'm so young. And how do we know this? Because that's what it tells us in Hebrews. And God answers his son. And so... You know, there's a sense here where when we read the Bible, and you'll pick this up again and again, there's different levels of how you read it. One is the face value, just as you read it today as a psalm. And then there's another sense as you get more and more familiar with the Bible, it's like, wait a bit, there's also another meaning. In this case, this applies to Jesus. And therefore, it applies in one sense more powerfully to us because if Jesus would cry out to God and explain his situation to God and say, this is the way it is with me, God. And God, you seem very distant to me. And God, I don't like it. And, and that's Jesus. Then that gives us tremendous freedom to say the same thing to God. God, you seem very distant to me and I don't like my situation and I desperately need you. Now all of a sudden we're praying with the same sort of uh, authority or freedom or excitement or, or with faith that Jesus prayed with. I mean, it's, it kind of helps us. It, it lifts us up. Now, there are, like so many other psalms, there's similar patterns. And Psalm 143 uh, has a similar uh, pattern. And one of the things which I do like about reading the psalms is that they're not organized. They're not, like, logical. They're not systematic. Thank God. Because the very next psalm after Psalm 102 is Psalm 103. Wow. And 103 is, like, just praising God. So it's like really awesome. You know, you read Psalm 102 and you're like, oh, I'm depressed, this is heavy, I'm, so, I'm feeling terrible. Then finally you get to Psalm 103 and it says, praise the Lord, praise the Lord, praise God, praise God. You know, it's like, oh, thank you. Thank you, Jesus. You know, so reading Psalms in threads or in, you know, bunches together is just super helpful. Anyway, I, I, uh, I want us to hear some personal stories of how God works today. It's one thing to hear how God worked like long ago, but it's helpful to hear how, how did God work in your life? How does God work in my life? I asked Sue to come up and just share her testimony uh, briefly on how God had worked in her life uh, and cried out to God. So, Sue, there you go. I'm on. You're on. Sue Turner. This is for you, girly. Oh. <laughs> this is some kind of inside joke. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, 
Robbie asked me to, to just uh, share a testimony today, and, and I kind of thought, well, you know, when you get to this age, you're like, which one? Um, what do I do with that? Uh, but, you know, I have to go back to the beginning of when I really met Jesus. Uh, yeah, I was brought up in a, a Presbyterian home in the South in a very traditional church, and God was very distant. And they, at the, uh, my daughter's now 20, so I can say at the ripe old age of 19, I, I decided to get married. Uh, now, you've got to know that I was brought up in an alcoholic home. So what did I marry? An alcoholic. Uh, who, after about 13 years of marriage, ended up uh, being drunk and high 24-7. In those 13 years, the abuse went from a little yelling to every form of abuse you can imagine. So it was a really scary time in my life. Now, that was also, um, I had married into what they call old money. I don't know if you know the difference, but um, old money is established, very wealthy people. Um, so uh, we had the two homes that, that they home on the on the ocean three houses down from Geraldo Rivera anybody remember him <laughs> and so you know there was that there so there was a lot at stake in my mind at that time but it was a very scary time in my life and if you've ever been to that place where you've been so emotionally empty that you couldn't give another thing, you couldn't feel another thing, you couldn't even sense anything other than you were just trying to survive. That's where I was. And so it became very apparent to me that if I stayed there, I was probably going to die because I had come to the point of death more than once in that relationship. So I always remembered something my mom said, and she said, you know, People will come and go in your life, but God will always be there. I thought, okay, here I am at this point in my life, and, and what do I do? I didn't have any family around. They were very far away, and I was up in Massachusetts. They were down in Florida, and I was like, okay, Mom said I could talk to God. I'm going to try this. So I said, God, are you there? Nothing, you know, okay. You know, and it's that same thing Rob was saying, driving down the road. Okay, God, are you there? I really need help. I really need, I need your help. I'm scared and I'm alone and I don't know what to do. And God answered in the most peculiar way. He said, what do you want? Not like, what do you want? But my child, I love you. What is it that you want for your life? And I remember thinking to myself, I don't know because nobody's ever asked me that before. This is weird. This is a weird question. So that went on from January through October. What do you want? And so I started to create something I called the dog named Dave dream. Because I was close to 30 years old and didn't have any children yet. And I knew that I wanted a family. And, of course, I wanted a husband that loved me, 
who would watch out for me, who would care for me, who would protect me. And I didn't have any of that. So I said, God, okay, God, I, I want a husband that loves me. I want a husband who will watch out for me, that will take care of me, you know, like just make sure I'm safe and will respect me. And then a few days later or weeks later, I say, okay, God, so where's the husband? <laughs> I'm waiting. And, and you know, and, and nothing. Because this one I'm with right now is scaring me, and I'm calling the police, and they're coming, they're taking him away, and he's in the, the you know, and I'm bailing him out, and, you know, the whole thing that you go through. And, he, and, and, and God's like, what do you want? Like, I want the husband. No, what else do you want? I said, I want children. He says, okay, how many? And I'm like, I don't know. Nobody's ever asked me that before, you know? And so right then the, the radio says, the national average of children in, in, in America is 2.5. So I said 2.5. <laughs> and I thought, oh, dear, I hope I don't get a 0.5. <laughs> and so then, you know, next question came. It kept going. This went on from January to October. The next thing was, what else do you want? I want a house. I want a house with a yard. I want a house with a yard. I'm going to paint it yellow. And, and then the kids can play in the yard. Okay, good. What else do you want? You know, a few weeks later. The white picket fence. What else do you want? And by this time, I'm pretty upset because nobody's ever asked me this in good grief. You know, it's like, come on. All I really want is a husband and the kids. Okay, a house is nice. Okay, white picket fence and a dog named Dave. You know, I said, a dog. And he says, what kind of dog? And I'm like, I don't know. I said, a dog, a dog named Dave. And he said, and that was it. And that was around September, and then there was silence, and I didn't hear from God. I'm, God, are you there? Nothing. I'm driving down the road. And I was one of those people that, you know, crazy people driving down the road, talking to God. And then things really fell apart, and things got very violent. And I, I uh, walked the beach for three days with God in the, in the misty October rain and said, God, are you there? Because I really need you because I think I'm going to die. I really think he's going to hurt me. I really think he's going to kill me. What do I do? Where do I go? I don't, I don't have any place to go. What do I do? And he said, I, I, I looked out over the ocean, and the, the, it's a whole big dramatic thing that could make a movie out of this. The, 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 the dark clouds that had been there for three days broke. The sun shone down on the water, and I heard this thundering voice in my head say, reach up, grab hold, don't let go, run, and don't look back. And so I got home. We drove home from the ocean. And I said, gee, I think we should have a separation. Yeah, that didn't go well. Did not go well at all. In fact, he told me if I stayed, I probably wouldn't live through the night. And so I left. I went upstairs. And the peace of God came over me like I've never had ever. And I packed my bags. And he laughed at me. And he helped me put them in the car. And I called somebody from work and said, you know, can I just stay there for the night because I don't know where to go. And I left. And then there's a whole series of other things that happened uh, after that, a big, huge story about how God protected me for years after that, how I was on the run for my life for years. But I want to tell you what's happened since. Since then, I now have a husband who loves me who protects me, who respects me, 
we have two children. I had asked God for a girl and a boy. And after a couple of years of infertility and a lot of struggle and a lot of Hannah prayer, I got a girl and then I got a boy. We have a house with a yard. I painted it yellow. We had a white picket fence. It was a pain in the, you know what, so I got took that down. And then, and then Mike gave me Dave. And this is Dave. I always keep Dave to remind me of where I came from. And Dave is um, awesome. Mike's allergic to animals. <laughs> but it's all good. So I just want to tell you that God is real. And there are many stories of how he met me right where I was at with whatever I needed at that moment. God is real. God cares about whatever it is that you need and whatever the desires are of your heart. The fact that he met me on that beach and I knew that he was real made such a difference. Thank you, Sue. One of the worship team uh, come on up as I uh, close out here. Uh, I, I just want to say say this. Um, Sue's heading up a lot of different prayer in the church, and you need to pick up a brochure on what's happening church prayer because prayer is multifaceted, and we do all sorts of different types of prayer. And you may find a place that you say that I'm interested in that type of prayer, whether it be. Uh, praying before church intercessory prayer, whether it be part of a ministry team where we're praying for people like I am now afterwards, where primarily our focus there is on God, will you do something quick, like immediately? Like will you, you know, whatever the problem is, will you heal it now instantaneously? That's the focus of our after church prayer. And then there's another type of prayer, which is like you might just be in a really bad place and you, you want somebody to pray for you. Phone Sue. Or email Sue. Sue, like, will connect with you. Or you might say, you know what, I think I need deliverance. Phone Sue. We have a ministry that does that type of prayer. So y- there's a whole bunch of different types of prayer that we do. Uh, and Kevin Borst uh, is, is stepping back for the summer, and he's uh, led the prayer teams uh, faithfully for many, many years, uh, and our pre-service uh, prayer. Uh, and so Sue's going to take over that, f- you know, for this season. Uh, and then... Others are leading other types of prayer. John does an intercessory prayer where we pray for the church. Uh, there's that type of prayer. There's all sorts. Uh, speak to Sue. She'll direct you. She'll inform you as what to do. But let me just pray uh, over you with another psalm. And this psalm is uh, very popular because this is the psalm that, again, has twofold meaning. One, when we read it. Uh, but this psalm is so well-known that we actually can't read it without only seeing the messianic uh, side of the psalm. And this is Psalm 22. And it says this, My God, my God, why have you abandoned me? Which is, of course, the prayer that Jesus prayed to God the Father when on the cross. Why are you so far away when I groan for help? Every day I call to you, my God, but you do not answer. Every night I lift my voice, but I find no relief. And here's the switch. Here's the focus switching from 
himself, or Jesus in this case, to God. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. Our ancestors trusted in you, and you rescued them. They, cry, they cried out to you and were saved. They trusted in you and were never disgraced. And in a similar way, uh, we pray out to Jesus, like Jesus prayed out to the Father, the same words using the same Psalms. So Lord Jesus, I just pray for our congregation. I pray for those that are in this place that you would bless them. Uh, Lord, I pray for peace. I pray for peace for those that are uh, feeling tension because of our problems in our country. Lord, uh, I just pray that you would have them turn into intercessors instead of being warriors. Lord, channel uh, the problems into something good where we can seek you and ask for your help and your uh, protection for us as a nation and for us individually. In your name, Jesus. Amen.